This week, I want to ask if you know anything in particular about issues of race and inequality, colonialism, anything like that that you think I would be interested in. Uh, it's As you'll see, it's relevant to the episode. But yeah, if you have any of that stuff, uh, rate us five stars and share that in the comments because it is information that I want to learn more about. Um, and if you would like to help us pay our guests, guests like Lorenzo Baker, who's coming up today uh, with some information that really changed my perspective for the next two episodes, I highly recommend you guys listen. If you would like to help us pay our guests like Lorenzo and support pr the production of the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash what's my thesis. Today's episode is going to be, an, it, it was helpful for me because it's not often that you get to have these conversations. You sometimes don't feel like you want to impose on another person of color and start asking questions about their uh, experience with racism and whatnot. But it was really great because Lorenzo it was very game to talk about these things. Um, and... You, he changes my mind over the course of these two hours over things that I came into the show believing. But the most important thing to note is that this is what a conversation about race is like when there isn't a white person in the room to get defensive. And to start saying, you know, because that's what gets exhausting. And in many ways in this show, I am your person of color friend to the listener, but in my private life, I, I have stopped playing that shit. I don't do that anymore. If you, it's on you to educa educate yourself. And this episode, uh, this, these next two weeks that I'm dropping uh, are very much validating in that respect and in that decision to just not take on other people's racism because they're good people or whatever the fuck. Like, it's not my responsibility to be your brown friend. I do it on the show so that there's a venue where you guys can actually have a person that will tell you what the fuck they think about you. <laughs> but in the real world, I don't play that shit. It's just too much work. This is just me venting my frustrations on the show. That's why I'm your brown friend here. But here's the episode. Yeah, yeah. I would say I'm definitely most interested in the worthless areas. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? And today, my guest is Lorenzo Baker. What's up? This is uh, <laughs> Stolen Indigenous Land. <laughs> Good start. I like it. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I, I do want to ask you about Lorenzo. Uh, where does that come from? 
Uh, yeah, so I'm named after my grandfather. Um, never met the guy, but that's Lorenzo F. Baker the first. Um, my dad decided to name me after his dad. Okay. So that's how I got my name. But that's a very Italian name, isn't it? Or yeah, it's Italian, French. It's definitely a European name. Yeah. Uh, I think it's derived from like Lawrence, and then um, it has all these other like signifiers. Okay. Yeah. Do you so. know do you, are, what other? I only know it as a. I only know it as an Italian and French name. Also, um, yeah, I don't know if there's necessarily anything spectacular about it, okay. other than it's just like a good name. It's a great name, solid yeah. name, yeah. <laughs> Especially Baker, like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I wonder if it comes from some other like source. You know, obviously, I'm like the descendants of like enslaved Africans, uh-huh. but um, yeah, I don't know if it's like a family name from somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, that's my name, Lorenzo Baker. You can Google me. <laughs> cool. And when you um, when when you called me, I saw that your phone number was from Sacramento. Yes. So, uh, what is growing up in Sacramento? Because I don't, I have no concept of like, is that that's past San Francisco, right? Yeah. So it's Northern California. It's actually the state capital. So that's where you'll find all the government buildings. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, growing up in Sacramento is cool. It's, uh, it positions itself in a lot of different ways. Okay. It's like a family town or city. Uh-huh. Um, it's supposed to be like multicultural and diverse. Supposed uh, to be. In, yeah. Uh, what do you mean? What, why do you say supposed to be? Well, I mean... Because uh, it's you can... indigenous land. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, like all of America, which I'm totally behind. I'm, 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 I'm glad that 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 was the starting point. But yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you always have to give a little bit of like honor and respect to the people who've come before you, yeah. and then also the situations that have happened prior to like contemporary times, as as opposed to just being in complete denial and being like, "Yo, it's all good." <laughs> you know, or yeah, just ignoring it and acting like you know things just are what they are when yeah, yeah. you know what happened to even get it. Th- to this point but yeah like sacramento it's a it's an interesting situation you know i mean being from there i have like a i guess like duality in understanding it Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a great place to raise a family if you ever wanted to you know have like a nuclear situation you could (laughs) you could literally like there's programs you can always like enter into um there's a lot of like youth centered uh experiences i guess you could say Uh uh-huh um, and then at the same time, it's not like a super metropolitan city. So it's a little bit smaller than your average. Yeah, so it's not it, San Francisco. It's not Los Angeles. Is it suburban mostly? I mean, not that LA isn't. Um... Right, which is really interesting because a lot of people think it's extremely metropolitan, Los Angeles. But I would say it's like a it's like in between. Mm-hmm. Um, it's suburban urban. So you have like neighborhoods that you can enter into and they look like suburban situations, but they have like um like an urban feel to them. Okay. And not urban like um Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the coded term urban, but more so just like a beat or a rhythm to them. Okay. Yeah. But are there is it all single family homes or is it like duplexes and and is that it lends itself to that urban feeling that you're saying? Yeah, okay. I, and it also depends on what neighborhood you're in, right? Yeah. So there's obviously like gated communities, but then they're mm-hmm. completely adjacent to regular single family homes. Yeah. Um. So it's like an interesting mix, and then you know it 
culturally has like a, um, you know, Sacramento pride is definitely all about the things that are there primary (laughs) first and foremost. So everybody's a huge supporter of the Sacramento Kings. All right. Uh, Big fans of them is like basketball. Uh, There's like a, and, and also, and I probably should make the separation between like, uh, non-white people and then white folks yeah, because yeah. there's uh there's like pride with sacramento being like a hub for the gold rush okay <laughs> right so yeah. we have this place called old sacramento and it's supposed to be like things haven't changed since the gold rush okay yeah so it's so like, that it's like even in problematic ways well <laughs> that's kind of funny i've never considered that but you know like cobblestone streets okay um, or just like old looking buildings, shit like that. But, um, yeah, people have like a, a tendency to like champion stuff like that versus the other things that are happening. But it's like Sacramento's big on hip hop, all this other stuff. Okay. Um, it's a, are there any big names that I might know that come from Sacramento? Uh, I did, that wasn't a challenge no, to no, your no, statement. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, people say that all the time, which is kind of funny because, I've heard two things that I thought were pretty poetic about Sacramento. One is that there's a lot of historical things that have happened there that Sacramentans don't necessarily take credit for, right? So there's like a huge uh, Black Panther Party historical hub there. Like one of the headquarters was in Sacramento. Is it still? No, it's a brewery now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it got gentrified. That sucks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, So, yeah. Famous people, the lady from Kings of Queens was from Sacramento. The wife. Leah Remini? Yeah. The Scientologist? Is she a Scientologist? Well, she's like blowing the lid on all of that. Yeah. Oh, oh you got know. no Sacramento pride. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know that. So it's a cool place, though. Uh, yeah, it sounds interesting. I mean, I'm always curious about places that I've never been to in the U.S. because... I don't think that Sacramento even has like a stereotype in my brain established at all. Like I just know it's the capital, but I don't. Right. You know, I don't imagine. Does it have like kind of? Um, well, if the government buildings are there, that probably adds to the city feel of it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's a pol- it's a political town, so everything's government ran, regulated yeah. in a lot of ways, and then also, yeah, it's politicized, so you have a lot of radicality. And a lot of conservatism. Oh, okay. So that that makes sense. That that would be why the Black Part Black Panther headquarters was there. Yeah. Cool, man. So, what is your topic? Is it is it uh, going to be political and radical, like a Sacramentan, or I I don't know where we're going to go right now. You know, it's kind of wild. It'll probably be less about Sacramento than you'll believe. I mean, it's my hometown, but I'm not necessarily. Bound. Oh, I didn't. I didn't mean it. I I know I brought up Sacramento. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, is it? You sort of framed it like where it's a place where a lot of political stuff happens, but then you can also just kind of pretend it's not as well. Yeah, most uh, definitely. So, is is your top? Well, my question was. Is your topic going to be political or not? Yeah, I, I mean, on the drive here, I was thinking about it, like, because I know you asked me this question of, like, teaching something. Can I teach you some yeah, sort yeah. of situation? And, you know, I am a teacher, but at the same time, I don't know if I necessarily was able to come up with something, you know, I'm going to teach him this. Okay. Uh, but I guess we could talk about politics. I think my life is pretty political and it okay. influences my art and all this other stuff. Um, is your artwork, uh, expressly political? Mm, I think it's inherently 
uh, drived by my identity. Okay. So I'm like a black person. Yeah. I identify as that and uh, my world is kind of constructed by it in okay. some ways. I could totally understand that. Yeah. So. It's a, I have I, <laughs> I have some <laughs> theories about how the world works today that I should run by a black person before I continue speaking to them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so. you know, it's always good to like fact check before you like go on air and say something crazy. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think sort of the whole thing is of the show is to be sort of inquisitive and explore like, you know, and have an exploration. So I definitely want to like, you know, yeah. uh, run it past you. But I, I didn't want to be like, if your topic was not going to be at all related to it, I wasn't going to be like, hey, black man, can you be my black friend and tell me what this is about? You know? Right. But yeah. And it is kind of funny that you even mentioned that. I mean, I just had this like wild experience, but it kind of landed me on the resolution that people will always take the opportunity to tell you or express to you that you're black yes. in some way. Um, and it's just something that I... Did I do that? Or, no, 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 no. I mean, it's just something <laughs> I've been kind of like, no worries, something <laughs> I've been kind of meditating on in some spaces, just considering like, regardless of if you, um, you know, so if, if we were to think about uh, blackness as some like abstract idea that you could pull out of the air and like put here in the room, mm-hmm. maybe it would be uh, like a man, woman or someone who's non-gendered and they're in like a black shirt and leather jacket and they have an Afro and they're uh, talking about all of the injustices that are happening right now, yeah. like nonstop. Yeah, I'm yeah. Assu- people assume that maybe black people are like that or whatever. But um, I think at the same time, regardless of if you're not even like that, people will always kind of push you into that space or push yeah, yeah. you into that caveat. Totally. Like, Please give me your political thoughts on things when it's kind of like, um, why don't you give me <laughs> your political thoughts? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, like it's always, I, it's funny because a lot of stuff like that, that's whether it's political, social, ideological, even though all those things are kind of interconnected, uh, it's just interesting to see how, um, I think oftentimes there's just this consideration that like black people have all the answers. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> like in some ways, like it's very interesting to hear you talk about this. Cause your experience is very it, like with, uh, like I am, I am, I, I come off as Jewish and middle Eastern. I'm Hispanic and I speak Spanish. I'm, you know, of Cuban descent, but, um, but my experience of that interaction is it sounds very different than like I don't get pigeonholed like that. That's like that. <laughs> uh, I've I've talked to another guest about how uh, your body is like inherently political always, right? She, she's uh, of Iranian descent, and that's what mm-hmm. I get confused with the most. But um, but it, it's interesting h- how intense. Like that sounds exhausting. What you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's funny because like you live it, so it is part of your life so yeah. in some ways i guess you could say you get used to it but you never really do no, and yeah. i would never want to even act like it's something to get used to but it's interesting because yeah people always race you right yeah. regardless of if you are of any descent someone's gonna go okay i need to frame this person as this this is these are the characteristic stereotypes tropes i'm gonna pull yeah. from based off of what they're presenting and now i have an idea of who they are you know when i first met you i I had a, maybe a different expectation of, of um, what of of my background. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. What, what and, did you think? You know what's kind of funny is that I, you know, your name, right? So yeah, your yeah. name's Javier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you could, 
maybe he's of Spanish descent. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then when I saw you, I, you know, I thought about it and then I just almost kind of like decided that it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of, it wasn't like a fixed point on me trying to like but it, understand but, you. You, you know, know what I mean? No, and, and that's that I, that I appreciate that because I feel like that coming from a lot of people of color, uh, like that's my interaction with them. It doesn't seem to matter. And I think it's almost like, <laughs> it's like the relief is that we're not white in, in, in this <laughs> because, because there is a sense that there, you, there's not that tension of like, well, what does this guy feel about this stuff? Right? Like, um, I think the othering tends to be, and obviously the experience is very different. And even w- among Latinos, like I always talk about how like my, my people are Republicans, which drives me crazy because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're the, the, they're the capitalists that left a communist country, right. you know, but, um, but I think that there's a lack of, there's a universal lack of privilege with people of color that, uh, uh, of specific, it may, there, there's always the class element as well, but, um, but it is always kind of like, it is like that. It's like, you know, like for, like I was saying, I was like, I don't want to make him talk about race, <laughs> you know, but it but, may come up, but no. And, and since you were talking about politics, I was like, and, and because he started <laughs> with the indigenous land, I was like, all right, well, I spent a lot of time on this show talking about that shit, so I'm I'm down to get into it, you know. Yeah, and I and it's funny because it's I just think it's kind of interesting, however you want to say it. Black people and people of color always have to have some sort of politicization in their existence, yeah. <laughs> whether it's within your profession, your personal life, what you do, what you're interested in, etc. Uh, you could be interested in comic books. And you still have to uh, contextualize things through like a racial lens, yeah. you know, especially if in on another instance, a non person of color, black person, white person, um, you don't have to care about any of that stuff. Yeah. You could just care about these, you know, social human anomalies and no one ever goes, but you're like a white guy. So like, how do you take like Captain America, uh, you know, like going around beating up Nazis versus if you're like a black person and you know, this you know, this is kind of a tangent, but it's really interesting. So like the little mermaid is going to be portrayed by a black woman. Who's going to play her. Um, so do you know the band Chloe and Haley? No. Well, they're two, like, uh, twins. They're two black women, and they're singers. They're, like, okay. phenomenal. And Haley, the one of the two, is going to be Ariel. Okay. And people are, like, losing their shit on the internet. Um, <laughs> and they're just like, there's no way, like, you know, Ariel's supposed to be this and that and blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, it's kind of like, this is, like, a fictional person. Yeah, yeah. They're not real. And it's really sad because it's almost like... Black people, people of color, I've always had to imagine if I'm going to enter into, you know, these fictional spaces, I have to imagine people as black or, you know, not even consider race. But then at the same time, I feel like if I was a white person, it would just be this is what it is. Yeah. No, I've I've every superhero. I've thought away. about that as well. Like that that you know when well, you're not grow- everyone storm and there's, <laughs> yeah. there's obviously other people, but Well yeah. that it may I well I thought about two things. Uh, the uh one was that like how many I don't I, I actually read a lot of comic books and I'm trying to think of how many black men 
comic books I comic book writers that I know of, and I'm actually at a loss. And the other thing is like, and that that thought started in terms of um, of being about like uh, what the expectation is of what they're supposed to be writing about, right? Like if they if they wrote something whimsical and you know trippy, mm-hmm. the, uh, it, it almost like it seems like um, it just seems like a very different expectation of what the author would write about right yeah you're always framed you have to you have to address these things and also even if you don't necessarily because i think it's you know if you want to consider like charles Gaines Uh um and theater of refusal there's like a double-edged sword situation that he writes about whereas like if you are a black artist and you're making something and you're talking about the world and then you position black people in that existence or that, you know, mode of representation, whatever you want to call it. Um, it does two things. So it dismantles people's perceptions of what they already know to be true uh-huh. or what they've already framed black people or blackness as. And then at the same time, it reframes it. Right. So it's almost like if you had the idea that all black people are tall and they're above six feet. Mm-hmm. And then I take a photograph of a black person who's five feet tall. You're going to go, holy shit, there's short <laughs> black people out there. Oh, my gosh. But then that new framing, your now definition of blackness or black people would be there's six feet tall black people and five foot tall black people. Like uh-huh. there's no middle range. Yeah. Um, and that's sometimes what happens in like black modes of cultural production. Yeah. You make something and then people think this is... This is it. This is all black. This community is about. This is all this group is about. Um, And, you know, it's funny because, again, that doesn't happen to other folks. I'm sure it happens to other people. of color. No, but I think that's pretty specific. That's it's fair to say, you know, Uh, absolutely. It's. uh... Oh, yeah. Like you were saying, like you should be taking up only these subjects like. You should only be taking up police brutality. You should only be yeah. taking up, um, I don't know, like slavery. Yeah. And for me as an artist, it's kind of funny because, you know, I think about all those things. I like to read history. And, you know, it's funny because we were talking about my name and names are such a wild experience uh, especially being like a black person in America because it is a double-edged sword. Yeah. So you could have a an ethnic... I'm putting quotations for those who aren't seeing us. Uh, You can have an ethnic name. And then if you apply for a job, it could, you know, fuck your job situation up. Or on the other side, you could have a very uh, plain, like European sounding name. And people think you're something or like whitewash or assimilated um, or just like different from every other black definition that's out there for like people. Yeah. Well, and if the... (sighs) Do you, have you ever felt like you were going into an interview and people were supply, surprised that you showed up and were black? Is that I would a, a, photograph on my resume. Okay. You know, just to like let people know who I am. <laughs> and plus, you know, like people have told me like I have a nice smile. So I put that on there trying to, yeah, you know, yeah. just to, to me it kind of, because uh, I've been on both sides of interviews and like, you know, hiring people or whatever. But yeah, it kind of fucks with the system a little bit because- mm-hmm. Okay, if you are going to assume based off of my name, if you are going to assume based off of the boxes I check, well, now you have a photograph of me. So at least you can um, 
you know, have a total picture. Because, yeah, yeah I, I definitely think it does play a part, yeah. you know, which is sad because I'm 100% sure that plenty of people who are extremely qualified and are probably the people that we need in all these various positions and industries are being left out or are being pushed to the side for people who aren't qualified. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. Names no, are no. names are like an easy way for people to like cut people down. Yeah, yeah. You know? And not even just like racially, like gender or... Um, yeah, it gets wild. It gets yeah. real wild. Well, I actually grew up knowing some Italian, so, some Italian black men. So that's mm-hmm. I, I was like wondering if you actually had any. Uh, but even in that situation, those are people that are uh, those are immigrants that are uh, moving to you know they're either from Senegal or other places like that. Right. Um, but which goes into the broader like place in <laughs> in the global society right it's mm-hmm. not just a, a weak position in in the country that like it's um that's i one of the things that i'm very fascinated by is just okay like there's this whole my all right uh, i coming from like a cuban background right um my parents were refugees they came over they're the only refugees in as far as I know, in the history of America, that have had open borders granted to them. Mm. Part of that was to create a brain drain, mm. and also to bring all over all the capitalists that were upset. Right? Uh, there's a lot of problems with communism. I'm not defending it, but sanctions didn't help it succeed. In uh, you know, that's like objective now that we understand sanctions in the way that we do in the modern world and what they actually fucking do to people. But um, so for me, one of the things that I'm very interested in in talking about in general is this idea that like um, in the in the corporate narrative and in like the legacy narrative is the word uh, media narrative like New York Times and all of those places. There's this idea that communism and socialism failed and that America is like, and that capitalism is the only like way forward. And that um, one of the things that I find interesting is this idea that, uh, you know, there was a time where we believed in the divine right of kings, right? That, that, that like people genuinely believe that kings were bestowed and royalty was bestowed with different powers. And I think that our sort of secular faith is in uh, the free market. And this myth is, it, it's, it's because through economic warfare, these other systems were choked out, we get to live in the fantasy that capitalism is a sacred thing. But capitalism, even before black slavery in the U.S., uh, has always thrived on slavery. It has always been about... um, It's never... it's, It's never... It's been about labor. It's always been about labor. Right. It's always been about making people work uh, and it's always been about resources. And through the economic um, advantage that we had from having the dollar be the world uh, rate and and by the whole petrodollar exchange system, we have this fucked up um, system where 
the most capital na- capitalist nation in the world is the most powerful and uh, subjugates pretty much everybody. Even European countries are dependent on us, and 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 they they set their prices on the dollar so that when the dollar fluctuates, we don't have economic breakdowns. But then we had shit like the fucking uh, the the housing crash that right. fucked the entire global economy. So governments want to break off from that because it's no longer a viable uh, a position to be in to be subservient to us. And then when they do that, we take we go to war with them yeah and and it is entirely based on taking people's shit like you you, like uh the the fight against socialism is really the fight against iran in the 50s nationalizing their oil and venezuela right now uh, you, you know and the lines in venezuela are really interesting because it's a lot of indigenous people you know it's we're still trying to fucking take indigenous land and then the other thing is the fucking um i forgot i i just remembered recently that uh three strikes was not a national law yeah. three strikes was like a, a state law right but it was part of the, it, it was at this around the same time as the crime bill and all of that and then um for-profit prisons are modern slavery like it's it is it is living in denial <laughs> the, the the to to uh, capitalism is actually most i'm starting to feel is like if society falls that's what we have that's like the first economy that you have right you barter you trade mm-hmm. that's capitalism i think that like some protections are needed to help it evolve into something a little bit, bit better than what it is because right now it is about exploiting people it is about fucking uh putting in right-wing governments and and a lot of people nowadays they throw word around the word fascism i i grew up in italy and i grew up with like monuments to fascism that actual were fascism. actual <laughs> fascism that were left up uh, so that you could understand right and one of the things that fascism is uh, you know it's obviously rightist uh it's a, it's a ultra national and what people think hear that word ultranational they're thinking oh it's like hypernational yes it's that but it's also ultra national like yeah. outside of your own nation that's why the germans were taking shit over right they, 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 it's not it's it's homogeny it's 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 a spread of homogeny of right wing and and the right wing is what helps governments like the u.s control like central america so so for me it's fascinating um because I think that like slowly white people are starting to like um, try to take on these things, and I and I think that there's a lot of like difficulty that they're having with it. Like one of my favorite things is that is that white all the all the uh, race that uh, that you conversations that you have. I feel chances are probably, you tell me if I'm wrong, but in my experience is uh, white people never want to talk about race unless they bring it up. Wow. So you know what's <laughs> kind of funny about that is that I don't know if I've ever, well, okay. The only times I guess I could say I've encountered white people or white folks bringing up race, huh? I guess it's to- It would con- save parameters. To, to like further marginalize you or yeah. another person, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily like- man, all this fucked up stuff is going on. You know, I'm like this person and I know that people who look like me are doing it. What can I do about it? It's yeah. more so like either to like demystify it as if it's not true 
or to yeah further cast more marginalization on someone yeah. you know even uh, if the intention is not that the intention so can, yeah, can, yeah, can yeah. even be to show sympathy right like for example one of the things that i experienced is just happened to me <laughs> <laughs> go go tell your story well i mean you know it just happened like at one of my jobs is just like and i'll leave all names and stuff out of it but literally you know this woman we were talking about this woman and she, me and my coworker. And this lady didn't remember who I was. She had, she just didn't have any recollection. We've sat together on meetings. You know, I've done presentations in front of her, panels, et cetera, et cetera. And this other lady at my job who happens to be white, um, she was like flabbergasted that this lady couldn't remember me. And she kept uh, saying this kind of like statement. And it's not verbatim, but she was just like, you know, in all due respect, like she started out with that, which is like, I'm trying to disrespect you, but you know, please don't be offended. She was like, with all due respect, it's surprising that she doesn't recognize you. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm black every day. Like, I know what you mean. <laughs> like, yeah, it happens. Right. And you know, I'm trying oh, to con- like people getting outraged for your own play. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and I'm like trying to like, you know, continue the conversation. Cause it's like, you said you're, you know, like backhanded racist comment, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, let's keep it moving. But she kept repeating, you know, with all due respect, it's surprising that, you know, she doesn't remember you. And it was like, she couldn't get over this like hump of, I cannot believe this one person doesn't recognize this one black person in this, you know, predominantly white town. City. <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know. And that's what I was saying earlier about like white folks will always take the opportunity to put you in a racialized box. Yes. And I don't really know why they do it, but I think it could truly just be because of, you know, you know, if we're all like trained humans or like have like things that we're like brought up to know to be true or like understandings. I really think about it sometimes. Like, is it just that like you're brought up and you're just like, like as a white person, you're taught that you should be mean to you know anybody who's not white and you should do you think she was pointing it out to virtue signal and tell you like hey i noticed that she didn't notice so i'm a good person or do you think she was saying it to marginalize you not that they not that (laughs) they didn't accomplish the same thing i'm i'm curious about what you take the intention to have been i think it's like how cops when police brutality happens other cops will be like, there's good cops out there and they're trying. Oh. And then it's like, well, how come the good cops don't go out and like arrest their homies? Yeah. Because, nah, yeah. you're complicit and you're well, in it Well, they're a protected too. class. They're, they're, the police? Yeah, no, they are. They're a protected group. <laughs> yeah. group. Yeah, no, yeah. no they, they are. They are they're I'm unionized. not even being fucking funny. I'm no, surprised right. that you left. Well, because it's like, even <laughs> just the fact that you can say that and it is true, it's just like, you know, you laugh because it's, no, 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 you shouldn't no. be able to conceive of that. Like, come on, that's ridiculous. But it really is. Yeah, You're yeah. right. But yeah, I think she was doing it the same way to be like kind of in between. Like, I'm a good person, but also like, you know, yeah, F yeah, you, yeah. You're a black guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's so. fucked up. That, 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 yeah. But it is what it is. And my thing is always like for situations like that, I do wish and I challenge white folks who, um, know and are aware of all of the historical stuff that has happened that white people have done to black people people of color indigenous people non-white people if you are aware and you know and you get it and you feel something one i don't know if you have to like express it like i know i know I, i did all this bad stuff and i'm sorry i don't need that 
Uh, <laughs> like, I voted for Obama. I would have voted for Obama for a third term. <laughs> yeah, it's more so like, okay, for me, it's funny because I think that one thing that black people or, you know, whatever, not even just black people, but radical people have yeah. done is they've challenged other people to get up and do stuff about it, you know? Yeah. Like, stand up, fight back. Black people are under attack. That's a call to action, right? Stand up, do something. Whereas for, again, non-white folks, or actually for white folks, it's just like, you're, I don't know, it's like you're trying to convince them to, like, do stuff when it's like, you could literally probably pick a phone up, call your uncle or your aunt, and they could call someone, and then, like, (laughs) you know, like, some paperwork shit happens, and then your problem is solved. So it's just like, if y'all don't want to keep hearing about all this stuff that you've done historically, if y'all don't want to hear about the stuff you do contemporarily, and you actually don't agree with it, just go do something. Like, even if it's, like, you start, like, a Facebook page, which is, like, you know, low common denominator versus like going outside and like calling your congressman or any of those things you could do. Right. Yeah. Just do something yeah. like I don't need your theoretical uh, thoughts on the ideas. You know, maybe I appreciate them a little bit, but I don't need that. I just want people to go out and do stuff. Yeah. I was watching yesterday on Twitter. Um, Eric Gardner's daughter was standing in front of like Dude. the courthouse in New York and she's like yelling. She's like, fire this guy, fire this cop, you know, the guy yeah. who actually killed her father. And, you know, I was sitting there thinking, like, this is one police officer. Why can't this one person lose their job if we all know this is, like, wrong, well, you know? Here's the- I get the union thing. I get all the legal shit. But at the same time, folks can lose their jobs. The, 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 that's why I say they're a protected group. And the, and the reason that they are a protected group is that they do the bidding of a higher class. This is another... Well, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but this is another interesting thing that I wonder if you speak specifically about class, because mm-hmm. I think that in this country, what they've done is they've very uh, uh, deftly com- uh, conflated class and race, which to a large extent are corollary, right? They, there is a relationship with race and class. But... Um, you know, the reality is that there is a ruling class and that ruling class is mostly white dudes, like the 1%. Mm-hmm. And so what I think, because we got to go back to, to my whole thesis of capitalism it is based on slavery. These are, it's, a, it's, it's the fucking KRS, overseer, 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 officer, 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 officer. Yeah. They, this is horrifying to say, and I, 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 but I think this is why they can get away with it because the system sees black people as property, that they are being round up. And when one gets killed, they're not human. They're not human to the system. And that fucking breaks my heart. This is, that's basically the, the, and you're nodding just so. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I think about this all the time in my practice cause I think a lot about like fragmentation uh-huh. um, and fragmentation from the casting of light. And this may like, we're going to go like, no, no, I like bit. it. It's um, taking but, a little of the attention. Out. Yeah. yeah. But if you kind of think about it, like these are just like things that I say to people and I hope they uh, like cut a line in your mind or something. But like, for instance, when you talk about the police, uh, it's a 
they drive a black car divided by a white space. Yeah. So it's an all-black car, and then it's separated. It's literally fragmented in half by a white space. And that's where, you know, the person gets in and out of the car. Um, or another thing, when you think about prisoners and the traditional garb that they wear, it's a striped shirt. It's striped yeah. pants. So visually, when I look at you, you're not a complete person. You're not a complete, you know, yeah, you know, circle or drawing or whatever. You're broken in the middle. So I see you as a literally a broken, fragmented image. So yeah, like you were saying, this idea of the police being the protectors of the you know higher ruling class and all of this other stuff. Yeah, of course, it's like written into like actual law. Like yeah. people, people watch Thirteenth by uh, Ava DuVernay, and I may be pronouncing her name her last name wrong. But yeah, people watch that movie and then. I'm surprised that people don't go, holy shit, like, law enforcement is, like, frightening. Like, they literally wrote into that law that the only time you can be put back into slavery is if you're a prisoner. Yeah. And people think that's, like, a joke, but then if you start to look at Is that what that movie's about? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. it's about the 13th Amendment. Um, okay. And and, what, and and that's the only thing that 13th Amendment did, or is that, uh, that's, that's, is that the one? That's, like, the, well, actually, the 13th Amendment abolishes slavery. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, but it's written into it, and I think it's like the first paragraph that the only time you can also be put back into slavery or enslaved is if you are a prisoner of the state. Yeah. So if you kind of like consider that, okay, so you as a private person, you can't own anybody, but the state technically can Right and corporations now too because it's it's yeah. it's it's it is the it, it's been privatized now which is fucked up exactly well, I I want to ask you specifically a question because I think that um, there is a thing that happens specifically with women and uh, and gay white men in this country where they have. Uh, they're okay with certain types of politicians, right? Like, for example, Bill Clinton. And, and, and so going back to the three strikes thing, um, I want, I mean, I guess I'm just going to make a point and then you can t- give your thoughts on it. But uh, the, so they both did NAFTA and the crime bill at the same time, the super predators thing. And, did we have a prison industrial complex the same way that we, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not expecting you to be a scholar on this, but I don't remember hearing about that back in the nineties that there were for profit prisons. So, um, and then we also have the, the situation at the border, which was put forth by the, you know, uh, secretary of state Clinton and, right. and, and, and Obama, which is also a neoliberal politician. Um, yeah. uh, and, and so I, I want to just get your thoughts on how, like, cause really the, 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 the idea of the democratic party and, and the idea of it being a progressive place that cares about people of color. Uh, and what are your thoughts on that? Well, Historically, it's never been. Yeah. And I think... And the Dixiecrats, too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, to answer your question about was there uh, conversations or people talking about, you know, the prison industrial complex in the 90s, uh, positioning it that way, I don't think it was framed that way. I think it was considered and framed as... And this is just a thing with police in general, Mm -hmm. is that they they are framed as individuals who protect communities 
and people who you can call on when something happens to you or, you know, one of your loved members. And they're the individuals are the only people who can, um, I guess you could say readily enact some form of justice. Yeah. That's not like street justice or whatever, which is not. Well, even but it technically is. I mean, if you're killing people on the fucking street, you just have the authority to for street justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're basically uh, like Judge Dredd, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. And everything that I was saying and describing about them, I, I'm saying it that way to point out the generalized understanding of yeah. it to then for people to then i don't know start to break that apart yeah like okay why are these you know my dad said something to me as a young person i'll never forget it and he said what's the difference between you and a police officer they're you're both human this person just has a badge on yeah. like a piece of metal on their chest and that gives them the right to like kill someone yeah. um well that re- represents the support of the upper classes yeah to, yeah. to kill you yeah for sure yeah. but just to consider that period just as a person as a human being you know i'm not like a super religious person but you know like if you look at the story of like jesus and christianity uh-huh. the Folks who killed him were like the Roman soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Those were the police of their time. Yeah. Right? Those were the people who were like, this is the way we want the world to work. You know, whether it's, you know, by direction of the ruling class or by what you think as a person. Um, and we're going to maintain that order mm-hmm. through physical authority, through violence. Um and I just think that in the 90s, because, again, you have shows like Cops yeah. and all this other stuff. And, <laughs> and really, you know, all that stuff, what it does is it makes people go, well, the police are just, you know, capturing bad guys. They're yeah. getting drug dealers. They're getting gangbangers. They're getting these people, et cetera, et cetera. And they're good. They're the good people. They're much like modern, regular, everyday superheroes. You know, yeah. they come out and they do positive stuff. And maybe... Well, all the fucking movies. Too. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just like, like, you got movies. You've got TV shows. You've got... Like, all the 80s were all... I mean, actually, it got so extreme that the... That the, the what's it called? Canon Films made the Death Wish movies, right? Mm-hmm. And, and those were, like, straight up fucking about... <laughs> just... Uh, like that street justice, the uh, uh, you know class sanctioned uh, street justice with fucking Brosnan killing people of color all over the place, right? And and he, cartoonish bad guys. I yeah. mean, James Baldwin kind of said said something like this, and this again isn't verbatim, but he described being a kid and watching like westerns, mm-hmm. like western movies, like The Lone Ranger, and rooting for the cowboys who are, you know, killing indigenous people, you know, coming and like stealing their land. And then he goes, but then at one moment he realized that the person he was rooting for was actually the same person in reality who would also kill him. Yeah. Right? You yeah. actually you're rooting for the people who are trying to actually hurt you. Um and I think, again, it's just like going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, that psychological, uh, I don't know, switch that black people, people of color have to do to enjoy, you know, arts and entertainment in some spaces. Because, yeah. again, it's often framed as this Eurocentric white only space or whiteness is the superiority, superiorized, you know, greater, higher thing. Um, and, you know, it's funny because, again, for me like I was talking about with fragmentation is that fragmentation, light fragmentation is based off of visual light, mm-hmm. right? So we have like a visual light spectrum for all the people who are able-bodied and can see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's like this spectrum that we see things on. 
and then you know shadows and casting and contrast all that stuff affects you know how things are presented to us you know you look a certain way because of that window and the light sources that are in this room Mm. um and I think that that has an adverse effect on how we construct people and then how we construct our ideas of how people should exist or how we see them. You mm-hmm. know, you were talking about the super predator thing. The super predator thing is basically like a black man and then you, you know, cast him in like a harsh shadow. Yeah. And maybe his face is like, he's not smiling, but you know? Yeah. And But what's fascinating to me about that particular example is that the Democrats are the first people to to call to decry dog whistle politics, but they're like applying it very, very as, uh, subtly, right? And, to, mm-hmm. and 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 pulling the party even more and more to the right, more and more to the right. Like, um, but it's always been right. That's the thing. Like, there's two. Well, the, I mean, in the FDR <laughs> years, you know, after the Great Depression, like, uh, I'll grant you, left. In terms of uh, this is another thing that I'm like lear- learning as I do the show more and more. What is left changes. What is progressive changes. Right. Progress. The progressives used to believe in eugenics, right? Because the, <laughs> they were they were very modernist in their approach to the idea of like oh science will save everything, right? Um, sorry. No worries. Um, but yeah. But uh, I kicked his foot. <laughs> I didn't just apologize <laughs> because I thought he was upset. Um, and, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's crazy to me. And you know, uh, going back to something that I've said before on the show, but I haven't. Like, it's it's a pretty. It goes to that realization. It's a moment that I I have where I realize. Um, well, first of all, I used to realize I, I realized it helped me realize that I was somewhat Islamophobic because I had a problem with people the f- the fact that people considered me or thought that I was Middle Eastern, right? When I first came out here, I I was like uncomfortable with it. I didn't really know. I was also coming from Miami. I didn't know any Middle Middle Eastern people. I only knew Cubans, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and whatever all the demographics in Miami. I don't want to just <laughs> simple it down to that, but um, but. One of the things that would happen to me is when people found out that I wasn't Middle Eastern, that I wasn't Jewish, uh, Persian, or Arabic, was they would t- tell me that they were relieved. Like, that, that was... Relieved? Yeah, like, oh, thank God, you know? <laughs> and it's like... What do you, how do you think that makes me feel? People. Even, you, you know, like... You were you 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 were just thinking horrible things about me is what you just said, and then now you're you're happy that you can drop that like paranoia, and it's fucking crazy, you know. I mean, I wasn't that Islamophobic, but I but you know, but but that's the conditioning, that's that narrative, right? And then now I just now I feel like I'm an honorary Persian just because of how, how like people perceive me, right? Uh, I have no like connection to the culture at all, but I have solidarity with them because I'm like, oh, I know what you go through. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because just again going back to the name thing, like people always think I have some sort of like Spanish or Latinx heritage. Yeah. Um, and I don't. You know, yeah. I I maybe I don't, maybe I do. I'm not sure. Um, but then yeah, there's. I think for me, you start to really understand that black people, people of color, indigenous people, yeah, we've been subjugated by so much. Yeah. And, you know, 
so much stuff has been imposed upon us as communities. It's really saddening and disappointing. Um, and yeah, it's like you're almost always constantly like swimming against the current mm-hmm. of like social norms or social understanding because regardless of what you do do or what you don't do, you will always be framed as the negative understanding of your like racial standpoint or at least in relation to it right you're mm-hmm. you're, you're you'll be not one of them one of the good ones yeah which yeah. i've also heard which is <laughs> hella problematic i mean i've heard that my whole life yeah right? i'm sure you have uh well be- and i was gonna say that the spanish thing might be a way of exoticizing you and being like oh he's one of the good ones he you know like yeah it, it or my voice um you know i've always had like teachers be like you're so articulate oh yeah yeah. you know and i didn't know what that meant especially like as a kid like people would say that to me all the time and then my dad had to like put me on game and he had to be like no that's like they're being racist towards you what does that mean because you speak english and you use (laughs) use big words yeah you know like that has nothing to do with anything that's because they expect people who look like you to not use big words to not speak english properly which is also and i'm quote quoting that because yeah, that's yeah. bullshit um yeah it's just it's all again because and it, it and i there obviously probably isn't like a root cause to this whole thing but i guess it could really just be like yeah i i i can only land kind of on if white people have created the society that we live in today based off of imperialism, capitalism, white supremacy, all of these other things yeah. that frame them as neutral and non-existent, right? Because yeah. when you use the term like people or her or him or man or woman, people often assume that it's a white person. Yeah, yeah. Unless you add like black, Asian, whatever. It's like that. Uh, <laughs> it's like you have to add that extra it's little. It's like that sh- riddle that the the doctor was a woman, but like also black. <laughs> yeah, 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 like some bullshit like that. So um, it's almost like, yeah, they've constructed this society. They expect everyone to kind of matriculate into it. But then at the same time, they don't want anyone to matriculate into it. You know, a lot of people forget that, especially during like the civil rights movement um, and like those freedom summers, people were trying to not integrate into America, but to be taken up and accepted as Americans. Yeah. yeah. And when you talk about what American is, American is like this uh, somewhat white ideal, right? This universal like America, like that's like a white guy or whatever, right? And yeah. People were championing to be accepted in a governmental structure. You know, they uh-huh. weren't they weren't carrying uh, Pan-African flags. They were carrying American flags, you know, and that's something that people should consider. In, and that's not to say that they were trying to assimilate or be closer to whiteness, but it's more so that they were saying, no, we're American too, whatever that means. Yeah, so yeah. let us be a part of America. And it's like, again, going back to this thing of like, okay, you distance all people who are not white and at the same time, you're filtering in people who you kind of want to accept or not accept. But then at the same time, you are also reliant on those cultures as gasoline or oil to move your machine that is capitalism. In what sense? Well, okay, cultural appropriation. Okay. In general, um you could even describe cultural appropriation as like the stealing of labor. So if you enslave a bunch of people, they didn't enslave 
Native Americans because they had all these eugenic like beliefs that you know yeah. black people are stronger they can stand in the sun longer Is that blah blah for blah real? Jesus yeah I mean if you really <laughs> no it gets really again and that's the thing is like history is a motherfucker because it will really show you how kind of sadistic a lot mm. of these approaches of things were you know um, if you look up like for instance uh, some of the tools that they used when they were imprisoning uh, like people of the diaspora Africans, for instance, like some of the masks that they had people wear, like if you were like a runaway, mm -hmm. uh, it had this, so it's like a full face mask. So it covers your mask, your covers your face and it has this thing. It's like a tongue depressor mm -hmm. and it presses down on your tongue so that your mouth is constantly producing saliva. That saliva then goes into a trap and it goes like, it gets like funneled back into the mask and then it gets funneled back into your throat and then you suffocate. Ugh. So for someone to just, but, and yeah, it's horrible. And I'm sure everybody's like, oh my God, why did you say that? But no, also, no, no, I'm glad you did. <laughs> but also like, if you take the moment to consider like, okay. Designing that motherfucker. Who's a, like, you know, we're, we're all in Los Angeles. We're driving around, uh, you know, we're thinking about our lives, maybe how we can improve them, you know, but someone was at one moment sitting there thinking about how can I like make a system that this person suffocates with this mask yeah. and then they went and did it and then built it you know and it's funny because when i think about stuff like that all the time i try to go all the way back to you know the visual light spectrum and you know this idea of things being black and white and then how there's all this color that falls in between and you can kind of break things down into you know things as being black white culture and power and okay. how black and white kind of affect culture and power, right? Uh -huh. It's like a little system. And, you know, I tried to break this down in, like, grad school and got, like, uh, violently attacked for it. Uh, that's a story for another day. But, um, yeah. <laughs> was it, what was the panel, all white people? Well, I mean, I was in, like, a art grad school. It's, <laughs> like, three black people, three black folks. Uh, anyways, shout out to y'all. Anyways. Um, three students or three in the panel? No, no, no. This is like in the middle of a class because we were reading uh, Charles Gaines' Theater Refusal. And, you know, it's like class discussion. And no one can like decipher what this guy's talking about. Uh -huh. And it's kind of funny because I'm reading it and I'm like, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I'm thinking about my own art practice. But anyways, this goes back to this idea of things being black. Mm -hmm. Like remove racism or racialized things but just black things these microphones are black no. um you know the tires on your car are black all this other stuff you know you can consider it um and the most basic situation of like communication would probably be what like a white piece of paper and a pencil mm -hmm. so you have this classic saying of you know the pen is mightier than the sword Mm -hmm. because right you know you could write something and then people can you, you can change people's minds yeah. whereas like with the sword you just cut people down and kill them and then you know the other people around them go okay <laughs> we don't want to get cut by the sword so we'll just do what you say i think maybe you can also take it a step further and consider that you can't even conceive of the sword itself without drawing it out first mm. and then taking it to someone and then then mm. making it like a wow. blacksmith Good right point. yeah so again if you pull those two things apart right if the standardized idea of a writing utensil is either a black pen 
or like a graphite pencil, right? So that's black. Yeah. And then the standardized thing on what you can write or describe things on is like a white piece of paper. Boom. Like chicken and egg. You can pull them apart. Um, And yeah, the white piece of paper has no significance. If you have a stack of blank pages, you don't really have much there, right? Uh, but if unless you a, it's a conceptual piece. Yeah, I was going to say, unless it's like Felix Gonzalez Torres or something, you know, uh, whatever. No, but no, then no. at the same time, like, but with a pencil, I could write on a wall. I yeah. could write on the floor. I can do all this stuff. And it still carries that ability to, you know, speak outwards, mm-hmm. right? A black dot on a wall has significance, whether it's abstract or not. Um, and I was trying to explain that to folks like, okay, we can, you know, Cool. And they got defensive of the white paper? Man, I mean, <laughs> it got to the point where one guy asked me, he was like, so does that mean I can be black? And, you know, you're like making a face or whatever. I'm but just <laughs> wondering what, I'm, this is, I'm watching a fucking a fight of unfold. <laughs> I mean, I was just kind of like blown away because yeah. I think for me, that is what is kind of amazing. So if you remove the racial context of black and white things or colored things in general, but then you at the same time apply them to racialized constructions of our world, it gets hella ridiculous because... Did you tell him you couldn't be Lily White? No, I didn't tell him anything (laughs) about that. I think I was like kind of like... shocked? Yeah, 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 most definitely. Because it was like a new idea for me in general because I was just like thinking about it. Because, yeah, again, you could take that and then apply it to culture and power. So, for instance, if you apply uh, a pencil or a pen, so how does a pen affect culture? You know, it gives people the ability to communicate with each other. You can write a message and then it has some permanence. Um, You could draw a picture and now I have an image of you. Uh, All these things a pen can do. And then when you take it and put it into a sense of, it being manipulized and used by power. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just wrote a law that says that America is no longer going to accept anybody seeking asylum. Yeah. But I did that with a pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah, I really just would like people to start to pull things out and consider them racially, and that's in quotations, but then also uh, symbolically and metaphorically, because mm-hmm. that's kind of like how we exist. In a lot of ways, it's a bunch of like symbols and metaphors and things that represent other things that aren't necessarily there or are like placeholders. That's why I was saying that thing about, you know, if we're talking about the police being, uh, you know, some people call them like race warriors or whatever, uh, people who are positioned to go and capture black people, why wouldn't they drive a black car divided by a white space? So why wouldn't they drive a car that embodies this thing that they're supposed to, you know, capture and or kill and then not over articulate that with its actual design? Yeah. You know, and then it's got the American flag and lights, like (laughs) (laughs) you know, just to let you know. um, I never even really thought about the fact that the lights are red and blue. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's all very symbolic. Um but then at the same time, it probably isn't, you know, going, Just, uh, yeah, going yeah, yeah. back to the guy who 
or person. Maybe it's intuitive rather than like, yeah. You know, the person who made like a slave mass or who was like, let's go to Africa and, you know, capture all these people. Maybe they weren't sitting back like, oh, I got this perfect plan. And it just happened via uh, circumstance. Mm-hmm. But here are the results of it. And, you know, since art is like dead on arrival, we can take it and then spin it. You yeah, know, yeah. we now have the opportunity to give it more uh, nuance or just like, um, I don't know, context, metaphor- metaphorical energy, like, you know, a higher ability to just consider it as something more than just it being that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Then then it, it just being what it is because it is that. Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of wild because they keep lining up with each other. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I, I would say I get probably the most pleasure out of when I make work is that it's like you find these things, these anomalies in reality, but they're not really anomalies. But then if you articulate them in a certain way, then hopefully people go, oh, shit, well, what about this? What about that? What yeah. about this? What about that? Um, yeah, that's kind of something I like to consider because it has so many implications in our world. And I don't know if people really consider them I don't think they do. I I really don't think they do. What's My Thesis is produced by Javier Proenza, who is talking in the third person. Reach out at whatsmythesis at gmail.com and follow us on all social media at whatsmythesis. Don't forget to review and subscribe. And if you donate to our Patreon, this is where I'll give you a shout out and make up what kind of art you make based entirely on your name and nothing else.